Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, what more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. In the 1970s and 80s, a monster hunted the Connecticut River Valley. Seven bodies found, one survivor, and no suspects. I'm Jane Borowski, host of Invisible Tears. I was seven months pregnant and stabbed 27 times, and I survived. My story didn't end that frightful night. This attack on me physically and mentally lingered for years. I'm Amanda Bedard, and I'm Jane's life coach and co-host of Invisible Tears. Jane is ready to share her story, and not just about her attack, but her healing process afterwards. As a platform for truth and healing, we are on a mission to help others that suffer from PTSD and help bring awareness to mental health issues. To hear my story and others, you can find Invisible Tears wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. There were two more murders 15 miles well, away. Arrived, the found the telephone we have and electricity line described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Murder. Sometimes the unthinkable happens. On December 13th, 2006, a mother woke to her four-year-old daughter lying beside her, already dead. It wasn't until a year later, when the couple who lost their child was arrested, that the strange and dark details of the death of Rebecca Riley were revealed. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. On December 13, 2006, police in Hull, Massachusetts, got a call from a distressed mother stating that When she woke up that morning, she found her four-year-old daughter not breathing. When police arrived, the young girl, Rebecca Riley, was already dead, lying on the floor next to her parents' bed. According to her mother, the young girl was unable to settle down to fall asleep, so she brought her into the couple's room, made a pallet on the floor, and drifted off. It wasn't until she woke the next morning that she realized anything was wrong with Rebecca. At the time, Rebecca Riley's death was considered a terrible outcome of fast-developing pneumonia. It wouldn't be until a year later, on February 6, 2007, when both Michael and Carolyn Riley were arrested in connection to the death of their daughter that anyone had any inkling that there was foul play involved. You see, since Rebecca was just two years old, 
Her mother found that she was a difficult child and began seeking psychiatric help. The girl was, according to her mother, constantly getting into things, running around, and unable to settle down. The doctor's solution to a hyper child? Diagnose her with bipolar disorder. While most parents were chalking up their child's behavior to the terrible twos, Carolyn was picking up multiple medications for her daughter's disorder. The doctor prescribed Seroquel, an antipsychotic, Depakote, an anti-seizure, and Clonidine, a blood pressure medication. By the time Rebecca Riley was three years old, she was taking more medication than most adults. In fact, all of the Riley children were being medicated for the same illness. And the night of Rebecca's death, her mother had given her Tylenol on top of the other medications already in her system, half a clonidine, and laid her down on the floor next to her bed. The medical examiner's office was eventually able to determine that Rebecca had died from, quote, intoxication due to the combined effects of the medicine she was taking. She had lethal amounts of clonidine in her system, three times the maximum level. At the time of her death, she had over 950 milligrams of various drugs in her system. Her lungs, which were filled with fluid at the time of her death, and heart were damaged due to the prolonged use of these prescriptions. She was only four. During the trial, Carolyn's attorneys stuck to pneumonia as the cause of death. Rebecca had been showing signs of getting sick, hence the administration of Tylenol and the fluid and dead tissue in her lungs. Prosecution painted a picture of a mother who could not handle active children who medicated them to make her life easier. They also brought into question Carolyn's motives and claimed that Rebecca's death was a scheme to collect Social Security disability payments. According to the assistant DA, Carolyn had to keep her children on behavioral medications so she could collect these payments. However, a doctor did prescribe these medications. It wasn't like she picked them up on the black market or from a drug dealer. She did think it was a lot of medication for a young girl, more than 10 pills a day, but trusted her doctor. Rebecca's preschool teacher stated that the girl was constantly lethargic, comparing her to a floppy doll, had to go to the bathroom constantly, and had a tremor. If the teachers noticed it, why didn't Carolyn? Why didn't she question her doctor if she truly was not at fault? Why didn't she advocate for her child? On February 9th, 2007, the verdict was returned and Carolyn Riley was found guilty of the murder of her child. She was given life in prison without the possibility of parole. According to interviews, Carolyn knows more about bipolar than she ever did when Rebecca was alive and now believes that the girl was just hyper for her age. So, what about her dad? Michael Riley was also charged with first-degree murder in connection to his daughter's death. Prior to Rebecca's death, Carolyn had a restraining order against her husband that she allowed to lapse. According to those close to the family, Michael was a violent man and was seen being aggressive towards his children. He was charged with the attempted rape of a 14-year-old girl, battery, and distributing pornography to a child in 2005, a year before Rebecca's death, but was freed on bail paid by Carolyn. He too was found guilty for murdering Rebecca Riley and was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Many are unsure about the role he played in Rebecca's murder, if he was a participant or simply watched as his wife pumped her with pills. 
Regardless, a four-year-old girl died as the result of the extremely early diagnosis and a desire for money. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on December 14th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime-obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy-to-listen-to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.